Nope. Forgot. What do we say? <laughs> Chris, I mean, <laughs> oh my God. Right, hang on. It's, uh, it's, do, I mean, what, how do we normally start it? We just say hello and wel- welcome and then we do the whole bit. <laughs> I mean, I know this bit. I know the, the, the geeky bent bit. It's just, um, I couldn't remember. <laughs> okay. Ugh, shake it off. Shake it off. Hi and welcome to Oh Brother, What Are We Watching? Two brothers discuss pop culture with a geeky bent. I'm Chris and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Chris. Uh, Steve, do we have any news nuggets? Nope. Son of a bitch. Okay. No, no news. We've got nothing to discuss. We, we barely have a podcast at this point. Just Yikes. you and me talking shit about random films. There's, there's, nothing, there's no other reason to shoot in. Then I guess I guess we just need to jump right in. So let, uh, for those of you that missed it, I set Steve the task of watching the uh, the Spielberg classic uh, Jaws, um, creator of the summer blockbuster, one of the biggest grossing films of all time until Star Wars came along and ruined it for it. I'm not going to ask you yet, Steve, because I really want to build up the tension here uh, as to whether or not you liked it, because okay. it's been a hell of a long time coming. Yep. And what I want to what I think our fans need to hear first is why it's uh, why it's taken you so long to watch this this film. Well, this is this is going to shock some people, especially some people I know who will be listening because I should have watched this film by now multiple times. So mm-hmm. the this is the progenitor to the podcast as an aspiring young man film student I you would make you say to everybody you know I've seen this film, I've seen that film and someone would say oh blah 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 like in Jaws, and I say, I've never actually seen Jaws, and the faces, Chris, the faces they would make at me, like, oh my god, twisted, I, I, gnarled faces, like I slapped them in the tit, like mm-hmm. I, unbelievable faces, and of course, what would then happen is I think I was twenty five at this point, and someone, a listener, mutual friend of ours, gave me two DVDs of two films that I have never watched: Transformers the movie and Jaws. <laughs> Okay, so we've got a bit of a link to the third man there with Mr. Wells. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Transformers the movie I put on that night. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where I'm going to have to admit something shameful that this person is now going to hear for the first time, and that not only have I had never taken Jaws out of the shrink wrap, but Chris, I sent that copy of Jaws off to Music Magpie probably a couple of years ago for maybe 50 pence. Maybe that 50 pence. 50 pence, if you're lucky. Music Magpie gives you nothing. I know. They are I brutal. Know. But it was still in the shrink wrap. It was still on there. <laughs> and one of the key reasons, one of the key reasons why I've never watched this film is I look at it and I'm like, I'm just not interested. Like, just... <laughs> I, you know, I, see, I see the shark. I see the person swimming on it. And I just think, no, I, I don't care. I really don't care. It's, it's, we all have our genres. We all have our genres that we like and we dislike. My wife hates Tom Cruise films. Your wife Mental. hates um, lots of like sci-fi films. T- typically, you know, sometimes we can trick her into uh-huh. watching some of those films. Yeah, it has but happened. Some, yeah, sometimes you know, like oh, there's a Star Wars. Nah, not interested. Thanks very much. And that would blow my mind. But Jaws is very much the same for me. Like, it's the biggest film ever. It's got so many iconic scenes, and I'm like, I'm 
just not that interested. And but another thing is, it's just it never came on TV. You know when you flick around and a film's just starting, and you're like, oh, you think, Terminator yeah, Two, yeah, I'll stick this on. Or even a film that you haven't seen, you're like, oh, I really wanted to see this. I'm going to leave this on. Jaws never came up at the right time. In fact, Jaws never came up. I don't remember ever flicking around and going, Jaws is on. Eh, I'm not going to bother. Yeah, because maybe if it had, you'd just left it on, you know, given it 10 minutes, see if it could grab your attention. 35 years later, I used some Google Play credit. <laughs> so I didn't even pay for the film. Oh my God. I put oh. in the Chromecast at the back of my house. Okay. And in sub HD, because it's such a bad signal back here, I finally watched it. Okay, so what did you think? I thought it was all right. <laughs> I thought it was all right. I, I I can't go gaga. You should put that on the Blu-ray. What? I thought it was all right. Steve, Steve Jones. Jones. Yeah, I thought it was all right. It was okay. <laughs> you know uh, this 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 film. It's just not too bad. It's 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 pretty good. It's well made. I like the performances. Um, it wasn't a terrible way to spend a Saturday night. I don't know. There's just again. I just I can't really get excited about like shark movies or attack films or even disaster films and i imagine in 1975 this is two years before star wars chris uh-huh. i imagine in 1975 this was a big deal watching it now i could appreciate what spielberg put into it and what the actors put into it uh-huh. but at the end of the day it was just a shark film it was just three guys going after a shark so it was good it was all right See, it's, 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 I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to me that this film didn't have kind of more of a draw to you as as a Spielberg fan. Uh, because, you know, you've seen a, a lot of his movies. A lot of them have been pretty good. I mean, for me, personally, you know, I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't claim too much of a sort of superiority or higher ground on this one because... I think I watched it in 2010 or 11. So it was a good six or seven years ago now. Yeah, you know, it was not relatively, it was still relatively recent. And a friend of mine had a similar reaction to uh, many of yours. He dropped a Jaws quote. I stared on oblivious. Tell tell me you've seen Jaws. (laughs) I mean, come on. You've watched right. Jurassic Park, obviously. Yeah. You know, you've, you 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 watch Jaws. I said no, I've I'd never seen it. I was shamefaced, of course. And unlike uh, unlike your friend, he didn't kindly buy me a gift and wait for me to watch it. He sat me down. Right. It was late at night, and he said, "You're watching it right now." <laughs> and we watched it there and then. Uh, I watched it with the wife, who vowed never to watch it again, and was wincing furiously as uh, she sort of came in and out of the room uh, tonight as I as I rewatched it. Right. Because my wife, she doesn't like sci-fi films. She does not like anything scary. And uh, both Jaws and Jurassic Park scared the life out of her. <laughs> so, I mean, you... Uh, I know it's not a horror film. It's more of a thriller. But, um, you know, you've never really been one for, for any kind of horror, have you? Not not overall as a genre, no. No, n- never really taken with me. I remember going in and seeing um, Final Destination. And having a, a beer or two beforehand. And not not the best it. example of the genre, to be fair, but yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember going to see Deep Blue Sea because there was literally nothing else on and being one of those arseholes who laughs during it. 
like literally Samuel Jackson was giving his big speech and I turned to my friend and said you know he's going to get eaten right now and sure enough this yeah. big fuck off shark comes out of the water and eats him and I don't think I've ever laughed that much in a cinema before in my life it was hilarious but I'm just not drawn to those kind of films so yeah know. I mean I I think for me I'd had a similar kind of thing to yourself in so much as what had never made me say god I've got to go out and buy Jaws and watch it because it's a classic it was a similar kind of thing of well, it's a shark movie and I'm sure it was a big deal at the time but it has since become kind of beyond a joke. You know, the shark movie, shark week, shark, 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 octopus, whatever. I had sufficiently, I was sufficiently doused in pop culture to know how it ended. Um, to have seen the sort of iconic scene of, of the shark's head blowing up. I've been on the ride uh, <laughs> at Universal Studios, so I had a rough idea of what i was in for in terms of the shark popping out of the water. Well, exactly. We've all seen the parodies and when the, parodies fall into the kind of the social construct that we all know about it so mm-hmm. we we all know some of the iconic scenes and characters and lines even if we don't know it right yeah so i knew a lot of that going in so it was kind of a giddy thrill seeing certain scenes for the first time like the quint scratching the chalkboard or yeah. um or even um the, the the famous smash zoom we'll talk about that later i guess yeah so that that was all kind of great, and as I said, it's, it's well made film. I could appreciate it, uh, but ultimately, yeah, it, it did really feel like a kind of a an early blockbuster. Like I kind of walked out of it thinking, yeah, it was kind of empty. And I know there's been some kind of film theory beyond that, like what is that about? But sometimes a shark film is just a shark film, and that's kind of what it felt like at the end to me. <laughs> but you said you saw it, you were dragged to see it, so I now need to know what your thoughts are on it. Well, I'm actually a big fan. Okay. And I think it's because I kind of, you know, I went into it kind of happy-go-lucky. Yeah, sure, whatever. Stick the shark movie on. Hope it's scary. Because I like a scare, you know? And um, I was kind of, you know, up until about halfway through, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, this is okay. I thought it's a bit it's a bit much with the mayor, you know, kind of being, oh, we're, <laughs> we're going to leave these beaches open. I don't care how many people get eaten, you know? And, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's not fucking Chris Christie, you know? Yeah, you know, I was kind of, uh, I was struggling with that a bit. And, and kind of thinking, eh, it's okay. But it really hits its stride when there's that attack on the 4th of July. His son, obviously, is in the water. And that's kind of the first time we really see anything of the shark. And then the film just sort of amps up a bit. And it's like, okay, here's what you're going to do, Mayor. You're going to pay for this psychotic shark killer. Uh, and him and me and this marine biologist, we're all going to go out in a boat and catch the shark. And from that point on, that's kind of where the movie really starts for me, or you know, where I really start to get into it. Uh, and from that point on, like I just could not take my eyes off the screen. The the, the chemistry between the cast is is kind of uh, unbelievable, right up until the last moment when the shark's head blows up, the marine biologist pops out of the water, and they swim off to safety. Uh, you know, I was completely hooked. I could not look away from the screen and just everything about it kept me uh, enraptured. You know, the film's very good at creating tension. You get to the point where every time you see one of those barrels bob up, it's like, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> it's yeah, really going it's, off. It's interesting because I wasn't as drawn into it as you. I was watching it and a lot of this, I've, I've got like the same notes as you in terms of um, what I liked about the film. Mm-hmm. But I was not really drawn into it in the same way. Again, I, I, I kind of I knew how it was going to end. 
you know, I knew the mm-hmm. shark was obviously going to. It's a Spielberg film, so it can't be an unhappy ending. That's like rule of number course. one. So of course, like at least two of them, not it was going to get away. There's not going to be any sort of heroic. It wasn't going to be like Moby Dick. Yeah. Like, I I thought for ages when I was watching this, is this going to turn into Moby Dick? Is Brody going to be so driven? Is he going to be like? driven to alcohol or drugs and, and he's mm-hmm. going to take this down he's going to sacrifice no no not really I mean he's kind of yeah he's driven but we see, it's certainly, not like Moby Dick obviously we take we take a lot of cues from Moby Dick um, this is not the only film in the, the world to do it um, but uh, obviously the, the Ahab character is kind of portrayed by Quint who sort of comes in halfway through and, and he's the one who's you know has a lifelong obsession with hunting and killing sharks and ultimately it's him whose obsession kind of leads them leads them to ruin uh but it doesn't lead them to ruin well not ruin but it, but, but that's the point that's the his, point his actions dead. yeah his actions ultimately if if not obviously directly do lead to his demise but because spielberg is spielberg he can't have it be an unhappy ending and it can't be um it can't be like a life lesson so brody and uh hooper uh, mm-hmm. and we're skipping to the end but you know paddle away and it's kind of like it's all very kind of uh, happy chappy at the end you know Quint just died like really horribly in front of Brody he's like huh, I guess I'm over my fear of the water now <laughs> fuck's sake like <laughs> a guy just died horribly in front of you and Hooper I don't know what he was doing at the bottom of the ocean he was away getting that drug needle or something he, he fucking he hid he was hiding is that, that what he did? I don't. I didn't see. I don't. Did is that what happened? Well, I, I mean, I watched. I watched it in uh, surround sound and uh, stunning Blu-ray. So that was my interpretation. Right. Okay. Uh, he, so the shark kind of gets at the cage. Um, he just about manages to swim. The shark swims up to start having a pop at the boat, and he just swims down and and, but yeah, basically hides uh, and shits himself. So let let's talk about a few of the things I did like because um, mm-hmm. I liked a lot of it. Like I liked the film construct. You know you don't see anything and i think that was great so everybody knows again famous story don't need to repeat it that the the shark never worked they couldn't really show the shark so instead like any great filmmaker um spielberg has to work with what he's got so he can't show you the mechanical uh shark all the time yeah so i really like that i really like the fact you didn't really see anything at any point even like dead bodies you didn't really see that at all you just saw like a hand that that was another thing that didn't really work so they got like a crew member or something to mm-hmm. sit in the sand and there was just a woman's hand for example um so i really like that i really like that he had to kind of work with what he did and you don't really see anything yeah. it's a it's a classic example of adversity leading to you know sort of stronger filmmaking ultimately uh but the the best thing for me was the build-up of tension so, so mm-hmm. there was m- multiple scenes and you pointed at once so that's the july 4th scene where he builds up the tension to kind of like a fake a fake incident was two yeah. guys in a cardboard shark fin mm-hmm. and then the actual shark turns up and that's all great i love that i love the fact that you know it's coming but you're you're seeing all the beats and and the way that um spielberg's like framing it you know he's he was really good on those early scenes of framing it so that schneider was always like at the far right hand scene or always seeming to be on his own yeah and kind of just re-emphasize the fact that he's now a or he's from new york he's not from uh, massachusetts or even from the island Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a man alone, right? He's kind of a man against everything. So I kind of, I really like that, and I really like those kind of moments where he built tension. So uh, that scene, uh, but the one that actually really stuck out for me was when they're on the boat 
and the shark appears for the first time uh-huh. and it really reminded me of um jurassic park yeah where the water is drip drip dripping except this time it's the the fishing line mm-hmm. you know tick 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 like that and you can see yeah. quint very slowly looking at it he kind of slowly straps himself in and everything's very deliberate and he's trying not to make a lot of noise and he's getting yeah. himself ready for the encounter that's really good like i really like those kind of scenes it's it's it is masterfully done there's a scene relatively early on where he's there's um a couple of guys have gone out with a sunday roast or whatever to try and to try and catch the shark and net the uh net the money it all goes to shit and the part of the pier gets sort of broken off mm-hmm. and this guy's just swimming back and you know the shark's not far behind him and his mate's just like come on come on come on don't look back just just swim 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 and, and this is just an agonizing shot of him as he's trying to get up and his legs are just scrambling and scrambling and scrambling even though i know what's coming i still i still really wince and i still really kind of go like oh. it's just done very well uh and again it's just it's 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 all sort of put together the timing you know the sound design not just the music but the sound design itself i think was very strong you know it's a very well put together movie like you say you can't it's difficult to fault it from from kind of that perspective so do you think you know if we were born in a different era and uh, chris and steve rocked up at say the age of you know 13 14 to the cinema to go see this brand new film by this young upstart steven spielberg go see jaws do you think it could have blown your mind well, possibly. I mean, you got to think this was two years before Star Wars. Yeah. So this was, you know, probably the kind of most advanced film. It, certainly, there's there's arguments about which was the first blockbuster, but but there's no. Yeah. Uh, certainly, a lot of people credit this with kind of the creation of what we think of as as the blockbuster. I, I think if we were back then, Chris, yeah, I, I think it could have been something that we walked out and went, "Oh my god, I can't believe it! It's amazing." Whereas I think even just from Star Wars onwards, I think a lot of people it's a well-made film so you can easily go back to it and say this is such a well-shot film and it's such a well-constructed film i agree with all of those i just think on a gut f- emotional feel as a man who's now seen this film for the first time in 2017 and having seen a lot more you know technologically advanced films it can sometimes pale in comparison which is odd because we just spoke about the third man and yet as a black and white 1940s film i can rave about it and love <laughs> it but yet i, I don't was- know what it I don't know what it is about this film that I just I kind of I, I want to love it, mm-hmm. but I just don't. I just I I just like it and can admire it, but I just don't yeah. love it. I suppose part of the difference there as well is, the, you know, looking back at the third man for a moment. You know, there's nothing in there that can necessarily pale in in comparison to to a modern version. You know, times have moved on, things have changed, but you know, we're still humans. There's still actors. Uh, you know, the difference here is if we were to see a shark movie now. It would not be a large mechanical rubber shark. It would be probably just CG'd for the most part, which in some ways I think makes Jaws far superior because when you're seeing something in the water, you're seeing something quite physical. And it's most effective in the earlier parts where, you know, like I see, I think it's uh, it's Brody's son just sees it really quickly. It doesn't surface, but it sort of comes towards the surface of the water quickly to just chomp. And it's like, oh, fuck it's 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 kind of right there and as the film progresses and right at the end we see it obviously a lot more it is kind of this you know uh, it's hard for your brain to suspend its disbelief because you are kind of looking at it and thinking like well it's just sort of chomping away like a big mechanical shark you know it feels less organic and so that is something that can't help but pale 
uh, you know, in comparison to the the sort of technology we have today to make something that would look a lot more realistic. Uh, uh, yeah, and that is the downfall of modern movies, where they decide that you need to see the shark, mm-hmm. right? If we use it like almost like a metaphor, you need to see the shark, therefore I need to spend $50 million on a CGI shark. Deep Blue Sea is the most ridiculous, shitty film you've ever seen. It's awful. <laughs> and there's been a whole franchise of Sharknadoes, which are even cheaper and, and worse. You know, it's obviously ridiculous films, but... Well, even Whereas, the Jaws sequels. <laughs> yeah, I was never scared. I was never really on the edge of my seat with the film because, again, I've kind of grown up and, you know, and seen so many parodies of this film that I kind of know what's coming. So for the start of the film, you don't see the shark, which was great. Uh-huh. And the, again, the the scene is, is is built up really well. You you can know what's going to happen. These two are going to go in the water, mm. or one of them's going to go in the water, and they're going to get chomped, and they do. But it's really well shot, and it's really well filmed, and it's really tense, and that you know that infamous John Williams music kicks in, right? Yeah, and it, that's that's all great. It's all really great and tense, and it's the the what really sells it. It's not the shark, but it's the reaction of the woman in the water is getting literally torn apart in front of you. Yeah. Um, and because it's silhouetted, you can't really see her, even her reaction, her face very well. You don't see any blood, you don't see any guts or gore. But it's mm-hmm. still very visceral, which is why it's an effective scene. You know, she's getting thrown about, you know, in this kind of unnatural manner mm-hmm. uh, before before obviously getting killed. So that really, that really works. That works a lot better than a CGI shark or uh, any other kind of modern day techniques where they say you, you need to see it. And that that works in the, the film's favor throughout. Uh, as you say, you you get to the end and you see the shark, and it's supposed to be like a big. <gasps> um, and actually, it would have been better off if you didn't see much of it. But then you had to because the way the, the ending was constructed with the, the shark basically tearing apart the ship. Yeah. Right, the orca. That you have to see it, and yeah, you, you know, it's all right, but <laughs> it's 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 not as shocking when Robert Shaw is basically being chomped half to death. But what so? What did you think specifically about Shaw? What did you think about his performance? Because that's kind of one of the most talked about and 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 sort of ballyhooed. Well, I, I've got my notes, and it just says here Shaw is lighting it up because yeah. I've I've seen him before. I don't know if you have, um, because I don't think no. you've seen some of his films. But one of the films I know we will see in the near future because I think you own it is um, the Sting. Mm-hmm. He's excellent. And I'm not going to go over the kind of behind the scenes stories because, again, it's well known that he and um, Richard Dreyfus didn't get on very well. Yeah, but he is he is excellent as that as the snarling Quint. And again, it's very st- stereotypical what's happened in films since since then that his character's going to be used as the that his character's being used as kind of template for for other characters. You know, he's that wistful. Um, cynical bitter but but very very knowledgeable mm-hmm. shark hunter uh and, and he's excellent he's he's so good at snarling away at Brody and, and and hopper especially as i say as he comes more to the fore of the film that's that's when i really feel like i can't tear my eyes off it because it's pretty much i can't tear my eyes off him and kind of his performance obviously as you say there's a million stories about you know he was wasted on set during this day and you know arguments and pranks he played on on uh Dreyfus and, and things like that but obviously most notable and and what is uh, talked about a lot is is the scene where he talks about his tattoo that he had yeah that he got the removed. indianapolis scene yeah the uss indianapolis again hugely famous notably he wrote he rewrote it or he certainly did a touch up on it you know one story i'd heard in particular is that if you watch Dreyfus during that scene like he cannot take his eyes off him 
And, you know, when asked about it afterwards, he was like, oh, I wasn't acting. I was completely just transfixed by this guy delivering this amazing monologue. Um, he said, well, you know, I was just right on the edge of my seat the whole time he was he was doing it. And, um, you know, the way it's delivered. And again, that's that's what it's all about for me. It's not, I don't think of Jaws as a shark movie. And I feel like I feel like history's kind of done it a bit dirty on that front because you know it's 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 painted as that you thought it was safe to go in the water a big fucking shark you know but that's not what it's about for me and that's not where my enjoyment comes into it my enjoyment comes into it from watching these these three actors just interact all portraying very very different very set kind of characters uh who are all kind of on this journey for different reasons but another thing i like and i think it's a very sort of spielbergy thing is about just giving us some scenes with brody that aren't necessarily about driving the plot forward straight away or, or anything else but just about giving us a little bit of characterization letting us see him you know and get to know him as a character you know let's watch how he interacts with his son let's watch how he just you know chats with the wife when it's a normal day do you know what i mean that's kind of you know again some of my favorite parts about the movie and, and how it's how it's done the favorite my favorite scene with him is actually the scene where he's um I think he's just been slapped by the woman Kittner, mm-hmm. and uh, his son is kind of mimicking him at the the dinner table. And yeah, they both kind of copy each other, and then he kind of leans in and he says, "Give your dad a kiss." And he's like, "Why?" He's like, "Cause I really need it." And yeah, that, that's that's really good. That's a really good scene, and and Schneider is as good, if not better, than he was in Sequest DSV. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't <laughs> don't say it if you don't mean it. <laughs> well I, have to, I just have to get another sequest dsv mentioned on this podcast so i'm now two and i'm going to try and push yeah. it again into this podcast trust me i've, I've already times. i've already been on ebay hunting for sequest dsv d- dvds <laughs> <laughs> to see if we could do it as an episode <laughs> oh my goodness let's not let's, <laughs> let's maybe let's let's, not do that. maybe let's leave that one buried in the deep where it belongs <laughs> it's good in our memories absolutely probably no, you, so so all three leads are are excellent and they're all high caliber actors so again that's another thing that makes me like this film more than probably i should is that yes it's a creature feature where they're off to get a a shark but yeah it's got richard dreyfus and roger schneider and and robert shaw absolutely Mm. lighting up the screen together uh and as you said the uss indianapolis scene is a famous one i believe it was also um they had filmed it the day before and it was unusable and shaw because shaw was famously drunk um, through the scene and they were supposed to be drunk, but he was too drunk, and it was just he decided he decided to go method and went a little too far. Well, no, it's not. He drunk between every scene, um, and that's why the other actors hated him because he was frequently drunk and belligerent. Yeah, and apparently he called up Spielberg after the day ended and said, "I want to do it again. Can we do it again?" And they, I think they, I think that was the like the first take. Like that was it. Was interesting, oddly, to bring this back to a um, bring us back to Kevin Smith. <laughs> Uh, something watching through this time that I'd never noticed before is that, so obviously Smith's made a few Jaws references in his different films. In Chasing Amy, there's a, a scene quite early on. I'm now pretty certain, having rewatched Jaws in the scene where they compare scars, that there's actually, uh, there's more than a couple of references to that in there, especially with her sort of jamming her foot up and being like, I've got your beat, check this one out. And oh, um, Chris, of yeah. course it is, because Kevin Smith hasn't got an original bone in his body. Oh, so- ouch. <laughs> You well, are on blast, Kevin Smith. Well, of course he is. So, like, you've got the famous tattoo scene. You've got um, John Williams' iconic score. You've got the point of view of the shark. 
all of these little kind of um, elements of the film have permeated pop culture, um, which I guess is testament to how much of an impact it's had. Um, that of course Kevin Smith would would steal a scene entirely and mm-hmm. make it about whatever tattoos. Yeah, that's our Kevin. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I must admit, I uh, is it cards on the table? I actually thought that you were going to gush about this film. I actually thought you were going to go. You know what? I I avoided it for for so many years of my life, but fuck it, it's a brilliant film. You know, absolutely loved it. I'm 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 surprised that you've you've sort of come away unmoved somewhat. You know that yeah you like it. It's okay. Maybe watch it again, but it's not like. Uh, I thought I thought I, I thought I would, and I also thought even before I hit record on this podcast, because I've got all my notes here, and there's so many positive things that I liked about each scenes, and like especially what Spielberg does, like Senior Spielbergo, he does a great <laughs> job here. John Williams' score is iconic, and you know yep. it was before all his other Star Wars films, so it doesn't feel as rote as maybe nowadays. Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah. Um, I just, I just don't know. I just, I just, something about films at sea involving sharks and animals, and and look, let, let's let's face facts. Like I've I've seen a few links out there, and there was a I think it was an interview between Mark Kermode. Right, he's talked to Spielberg, and he's talked about it a few times. But I, I think at the end of the interview, he basically goes, "Look, sometimes a, a film about capturing a shark is just 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 that," uh-huh. and that's what it felt like to me. So for all the kind of nice bits and the nice shots and um some of the nice characterization like Brody more than the others like i don't really see any development in hopper or quint really at the end of it it just kind of felt a little bit empty like it was like that was fine but it was all happily ever after like that was it it was the two of them swimming off to the mainland just yeah we're fine that's it over lessons learned i guess I'm not yeah. sure what the lesson was i, th- I think this well there's an interesting thing because i think there's a bit of a hold over there from the novel as well because i think the novel possibly doesn't end quite so happily yeah they but... changed plenty of the novel because there was supposed to be yeah. like uh i think Brody's wife is supposed to cheat on him Ugh. in in the actual um book yeah i mean yeah there's a lot i mean when i was reading up about um you know theories you know, academia, etc., surrounding the film. You know, a lot of it kind of comes down to, well, the book was about this, and they took a bit of that out, and a bit of it kind of stayed in. <laughs> so, you know, some some people talk about it as an allegory for Watergate. I think that's a bit far. I honestly you know? don't. I, I honestly don't see Steven Spielberg having that kind of mental acuity, and I mean that the. I don't mean that as a slight by any means. <laughs> I just mean he, you know he's a very good director. But one of the fam- one of the criticisms that people throw at him is sometimes his films are a little bit too happy, a little bit too not vacuous. Vacuous is far too far one way, but you know they are what they are. They're very surface level. It's like he's making pop music, and you know if you can make pop yeah, music well, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. It's great, it's catchy, and and people need to make it. But you know he's not he's not the guy. He's not Kubrick. You know he's he's not making you know, two hour arias that you can really dig into necessarily, but he's very, very, very good at what he does. You know, if you're going to see a Spielberg film, you're going to have a certain degree of quality. Again, his, his kind of like shot composition and how he can build tension within scenes and that kind of stuff. That's all great. Like no complaints about it, but ultimately you might walk away from a film. Like, I just, 
I don't know. I just walk away from Jaws and I'm like, I'm glad I saw it. I enjoyed large elements of it. Um, I love the 70s fashion. Like, you got to love that. The swinging bell oh, bottoms yeah. and the poofy <laughs> hair. And... But sometimes, like, for example, like, the first vi- victim in the film is a potentially, possibly promiscuous teenager, which is very much a horror trope, right? Like, that's what always happens in horror films. Yeah. The virgin always saved. The sex mad teenagers are always killed, right? Classic horror film. Classic. So, yeah. the first one, the first victim is that girl. And then the second victim is just this young, innocent boy. And then after that, I don't know if does anyone die. I think, so, uh, yeah, there's a ship off the coast that they, they investigate, which is the only one of the only times I got kind of oh, scared yeah. was when the floating head pops out, right? Yeah, there's a, a classic jump scare. It wasn't scare. even a jump scare. Yeah. It wasn't like a, an edit. It was just like floated out and you just didn't really expect it at that point. You expected the shark to come from behind or something. It was really good. And then there's one there's one more death as well, I think, in the um, just before Brody's kid gets pulled out of the water in shock. He sees... Uh, sort of an older guy in a fishing boat. Um, oh, is that what happens? Right, okay. pieces as well. So there's, there's kind of no rhyme or reason. Yeah. So there's nothing even like a a message behind who the shark is attacking. Like I don't like I'm trying to pull those kind of things away from it. We well, see. I kind of like. Well, you see now that's that's an interesting point because that was one thing I, I I read that that people had raised, which is specifically that the point about the enemy of the shark is that he attacks anyone irrespective of sex age social class you know he is kind of uh an indiscriminate enemy and from my perspective yeah i'm just like well of course he's a shark he doesn't know uh but but i kind of like that you know uh i like that you know it's almost like a nod like okay a couple of teenagers they're off to fuck in the ocean whatever she gets killed classic horror movie sort of start um and then you know kind of going a bit beyond that because otherwise it's like well how does the shark know you know how does freddy know <laughs> how does jason know how do any of them know exactly so it's an indiscriminate killing machine um what do they call it the film a perfect engine right that's what they call yeah. it right which is quite a cool name it is co- i mean sharks are cool right so okay. it, it attacks the first victim for no reason at all it attacks the second reason for no victim at all it, it comes in both night and day it just lives to kill. So it's, it's kind of a blank enemy. So then you have to look at the the heroes, uh, the other characters, uh-huh. the actual humans, and their kind of motivations. Whatnot. And I guess for that, the strongest one for me is Brody. You know, he's kind of this man from New York who's come to this small, you know, big city man who's come to a small island. But even then, we don't really see a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, people taking him down as the big city slicker or something like that. It's just more about, hey, everything has yeah. to be cool for July 4th because that's where we make our money and this is a summer kind of town. And There's nothing really kind of driving that forward for me other than Brody loves his family and he wants to see them safe. So he goes off to kill a shark. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's, it's a family man thing. Yeah, I think it's almost like there's two competing bits of characterization. Or not necessarily competing, but two different forms you know bits of characterization but there's never one of them finds the focal point one of the only things i could raise as a flaw is is perhaps uh it should maybe be earlier in the film that we get to the point where we have our sort of trio on the boat and we can maybe dig into that a bit more because you know like i say it's not about it's not about one character it's not just about brody it's about this whole sort of it's about this kind of trio they're all 
you know, they're obviously very different guys with very different reasons for being on the boat, as I say. So that kind of then means we don't necessarily have as strong a protagonist anymore because he's now been he's now part of an ensemble. But the ensemble isn't there from the get go. It's nearly an hour and a bit into the film before the ensemble really gets together. So, you know, it's kind of I suppose it's a bit disjointed in that respect. There isn't as strong a what's my theme, who's my hero, what's their journey kind of feeling. And, you know, particularly as you know, as you say, if it's if we're gonna go Moby Dick it's it's Quint and I guess you kind of have to go a bit more all in on that it has to be more about what is his obsession and and how does that bring them how does that put them in danger beyond that you know he gets a bit drunk and smashes up the radio and stuff like that I think the only other thing I would say is that Brody is quite a weak character at the start so you know he he kind of listens to the mayor against his own better judgment um he tells his kid to get off the swings like they have cut him and his other kid is on there and he doesn't tell him to get off and it's just something like like at the start of the film and then mm-hmm. by virtue of taking on the shark he's maybe a bit more stronger i guess that's really all i can yeah. pull from it's, it's certainly not like the classic hero's journey you know it's a bit kind of no it, exactly so i guess i, I don't know I, i'm probably going to read up now and see that like 99 percent of the world is against me Oh, 100%. I mean, if you thought it was bad me saying that I didn't think The Big Lebowski was the best Coen Brothers film, like, people adore this film. But do they you adore know, it? For a lot yeah, of but people. Do they adore it because they saw it when, because I've seen, like, some of these articles before, you know, prepping for this podcast. And it was like, I remember where I was when I saw this film. And it's, like, you know, 1970, whatever. And I'm, you know, it didn't come out in Britain until, whatever, Christmas time and stuff like that. And you just think. It is that for some. There's, there's definitely that to it. Uh, but, you know, I've also, I, I've met quite a few people that, you know, again, would say it's one of the best films they've ever seen. It's one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, no way! You know, who are no way! Of a much younger generation. Well, that's, that is where it's rated, you know, that for a lot of people. You cannot possibly crack any top 100 films of all time list and not see it within the, certainly within the top 50, I'd imagine, top 25 uh, for most of them. It's in the Congress Library of films or whatever because it, it was deemed necessary to, to to put it there for posterity uh you know for a lot of people steve this is their favorite ever film and it's not just uh it's not just a rose tinted glasses kind of scenario a lot of people really fucking love this film i i hope this galvanizes some of our fans uh to to come speak to us on the facebook page and <laughs> twitter and uh really have a go at you well i because... hope they do have a go at me because i'm not i'm not um <laughs> Look, I'm not precious about it. I don't, you know, I do, I did. So let's just make, <laughs> so let's just make clear one or two things. I like the film. I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed the technical merits of the film. Like what they did with it. I mean, we haven't talked really in depth about the film music because I'm not very musical, but I can appreciate what John Williams did and aiding Spielberg and creating that tension of the shark moments. Mm. Um... I think it's just all down to one. I'm 35 years old. It's 2017. It's the first time I've seen it, and I don't know why it's different to say something like watching like the Third Man for the first time. I don't know, but it just. I think where the Third Man was just so rich, this just feels like um, like having something that's really sugary, and it's kind of over very quickly. So, so I can appreciate all the kind of the technical merits, but as a story, it didn't really grab me. It was just ultimately about let's go kill a shark. I don't know. It just it just does not not something that's really interests me in other films. 
and it didn't really interest me in this. It didn't really grab me. Um, but I did enjoy the film. So let me let me ask you this. So obviously I've made a few comparisons now uh, to Jurassic Park, which is obviously another Spielberg film, another Williams score, but is very much what I would think of as the Jaws of our generation because Jurassic Park was a big, big deal when we were young. Uh, it was, what, 93, 94? It came out in the cinema. I think I went to go see it three times. And, and you know, it was a massive deal, big movie. And for me, uh, you know, I rewatched it maybe only... Uh, a year ago and it still stands up it's still one of my favorite movies of all time uh how do you feel about jurassic park similar i liked it i i I liked it but it's kind of light and kind of over with like i don't know i just some of these kind of top list of films of all time are really kind of deep and meaningful and cinematic classics and don't get me wrong like i think especially when you frame it in the position of when it was released to the world in 1975 Jaws probably deserves to be in that conversation I just can't personally get too excited about it mm. interesting uh, well, uh, that's a dark note but <laughs> let's uh, let's discuss next week what uh, what are we going to be talking about in the next podcast Dave? so you didn't want to talk about John Williams you know what I will say is beyond the rather classic Jaws theme that that tends to ramp up as soon as he's about to give someone a big old Nash uh you know he's very good at creating contrast so in the scenes on the boat when they've um lamped him a couple of times with the harpoon and uh you know he's got the sort of barrels floating with him uh the music the music is telling you a story which is our heroes are winning they're gonna kill the shark uh it all seems to be going pretty well uh and then it's very good at, at just creating this sort of contrast especially uh you know i talked in our last episode about the uh, the exceptional use of silence or lack of music. Uh, and, you know, again, here, the film's quite, uh, f- you know, well-scored throughout. And then when they've got the third barrel on the shark, uh, and even Quint are sort of incredibly cynical shark hunters, like, nothing. <laughs> nothing can take those three barrels and still be able to submerge. And when it does, the music just falls dead and everybody falls silent and no one knows what to say. Um and you know, again, that's 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 a brilliant contrast for me. It creates a lot of tension, um, and it's kind of a moment in the film where Quint realizes this is something that he's never dealt with before, and that he, even he, might be a little bit, pardon the pun, out of his depth. But yeah, obviously, absolutely fantastic score from John Williams. Not my favorite, not one I would, you know, not one I would rank uh, amongst his best, but um, you know, certainly one of his more original. And uh, you know, again, it's just it's part of. It's it's part of a thing. There's no one individual part of the film that I think stands out as oh that's the best. It's the acting or it's the writing or it's the music. You know, I just think the whole thing goes together quite well and just creates a very cohesive uh, movie going experience. It's, it's a well made film about a shark, so I I like it. I like the film, and I liked the way it was shot and I liked the way it was made. But you would say you don't quite see the hype. No, it's not. I don't quite see the hype. I do. I, I do see the hype. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just, I'm not on board the hype train. Like, so you don't feel the hype. You see it, but you don't feel yeah. it. So, like, I've now done it. Uh, I'm glad I've did it. Uh, I can now speak knowledgeably about the film and talk in gushing tones about certain scenes, the smash zoom and shot composition and, and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, and obviously, you know, the acting and some of the, the great line readings. But I don't know. It's just something about those kind of films. 
ultimately it's th- about three guys going off to, to kill a shark it's probably more about uh, a, a man's weakness to control his family and community and therefore kind of finds himself but it doesn't come across overwhelmingly so which is why i'm kind of left a little bit cold but i liked it mm-hmm. i liked it so steve what are we doing next week? Well, what we're doing next week is we're not swapping tales or films or whatever. We are just jumping uh, into a kind of a mutual discussion about Star Trek, which is our great franchise love. Uh, as it's coming, our first really, our, our first really. Uh, I want to really kind of talk about it because uh, the new TV show Star Trek Discovery launches uh, in just a few days uh, for when that podcast will will drop. So I wanted to take the moment to. Um, share with you and, and and our audience, you know, our our love of it, um, what we like about it, what kind of drove us away from it for a long time, what brought us back, mm-hmm. and our kind of hopes and fears for this new take on Star Trek, as well as uh, maybe some kind of episodes that maybe our population kind of jump can jump into, and see maybe what uh, what that's all about. Excellent. Okay. Well, I cannot wait to talk about that with you, Steve. As you know, I'm a I'm very excited about talking about it. So all that remains is for me to say, if you want to join in the conversation, if you want to really put Steve, you know, throw some shade at Steve for not liking this film. I like uh, the film! (laughs) For not loving the film as as he perhaps should have as a film buff. So you can like us at facebook.com slash ohbrotherpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter at ohbrotherpod. That's just, uh, in both cases, the letter O, not O-H. Uh, and finally, you can uh, subscribe and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. Please come and join in the conversation, guys. I've been Chris, he's been Steve, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>